It's Wednesday morning. It's 5.30 in the morning. I'm driving on Interstate 85 with my music blaring so loud I can hear nothing. And all of a sudden I realize my car is not performing like it normally would. I have blown my right rear tire. And I could tell that it was bouncing really hard. And I thought to myself, surely that's not my, tar- my tire. If that's my tire, I have a real problem. Because I'm doing north of the speed limit. And... <laughs> It doesn't run as well on three wheels. And so I find myself at that juncture where 75 and 85 merge, and there's one exit there at Atlantic Station. I said, I'm going to get off right here because I don't know which way to go, but I've got to position this car where somebody can change this flat at some point. And so I drive off there. I never stop from the moment that tire blows. I keep moving. By the way, I kept on moving at about... I clipped fast enough to get on off the interstate, and as I got off, I, I realized that I needed to find a place to park this car. I couldn't leave it on the side of the road, and I had to be at the airport in an hour. And so I pulled into the Atlantic Station, parked it in the parking garage there at Dillard's, and there was this young man driving by in his golf cart, the man who's in charge of nighttime security. And so as he drove by, he didn't even really notice that I was the only car in the entire parking deck, but... I went over, I saw him, and he was doing his check to make sure all the arms go up and down so they could charge $14 a day. And, and um, as he, I went over and I chased him down a little bit, and I said, sir, I need your help. I, I got a flat tire. He looked at me and said, sir, you've come to the right place. I can help you. He said, I, he said do you have one of your cards? I said, I sure do. He said, I'm going sure I'm gonna to I'm gonna, I'm gonna sure, make sure your car's sitting right here when you get back. I said, that's fantastic. You mean you'll leave it here? He said, no, if you, if you had not found me, they'd have towed this car. And he said, but I'm going to leave it right here. And, I said, and he said, I'm going to do it because this is my job. This is what I do. And I said, well, could you help me one more thing? He said, sure. He said, could you help me find a cab? He said, it's not a problem. That's my job too. He said, get on my golf cart. We're going to take a little ride. We went motoring off on this golf cart. We got to the level where we were, and, he, and he, I had my suitcase and my briefcase, and we got, I got off, and I said, well, where do I go? He said, follow me. That's my job. So he, he, and he picked my suitcase up and said, let me carry that suitcase for you. I'm thinking, this guy's getting a good tip out of this deal. So he carries my suitcase up, and he takes me right to a cab. He opens, he tells the cab, open that, open that trunk, puts my stuff in there. And he looks at me and he said, sir, this is what I do. Enjoy your day. I said, whoa, 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 don't you go anywhere. I got out and pulled a big wad of money out of my briefcase. I gave it to him. I said, you are positioned in the right place at the right time to bless my life, so I want to bless you. And he walked off smiling. As the experience ended, the guy, the cabbie driver, he drove me to to the airport, dropped me off, and as I was walking through, I thought to myself, you know what that guy really proved to me? in the parking garage at Atlantic Station, some people know what they're supposed to do in their life, and they do it to their best of their ability. He smiled all the way from the moment he put me on that golf cart to the moment he said, don't worry about your car. And I'm going to tell you the end of the story real quick because I get back home on Thursday night, and I'm dreading waiting on AAA to come. And I don't know if you ever had that experience, but it's one of the most dreaded hours of your life because you realize they're not coming quickly. So... I called him up, and we hadn't even paid our new membership fee for the next year yet, so I was hoping it still hadn't expired yet. And so 
I called him up and said, I need you to come if you would and change a flat tire for me. And the guy said to me, it'll be 45 to 55 minutes, which I knew that's what I could have said it for him. But the reality is he said to me, 45, 55 minutes. And so I said to my, and, and Dillard's was closing in five minutes. I said, well, that means I'm going to sit in my car for an hour. But I went in Dillard's just for, for, I went up the escalator just to show that I had been somewhere and went up the escalator and uh, thought I could kill at least five minutes walking around. And I'm up the top of the escalator and the phone rang and said, sir, this is AAA. We're going to change your tire. Four minutes. I mean, I knew right then that God was with me because he knows how frustrated I get about things. And here's what I want you to discover about this whole story. A flat tire, a triple-A call, a nice guy on a golf cart all comes back to exactly what we're talking about today. And that is we're talking about what Jesus says when he says, follow me. And what I want you to see today is an unusual moment in Jesus' earthly ministry because it is here that, that religion is confronted by true faith. And it's in John chapter 8. And today we look at what it means to be positioned for a purpose, for his purpose in our lives. And today, you, you might want to make sure you have your Bible because we're getting ready to motor through a bunch of Bible verses, okay? And there's one in the pew in front of you if you don't have one with you because I want you to see something today because it is in John chapter 8 that we find Jesus making a statement. The truth will set you free. And anyone who hears that statement, they read it, they immediately think that anybody who's heard it will live it. But the reality is you're going to discover something. Only those who discover level three living will ever experience what Jesus was saying in John chapter 8. So if you have your Bible, open to that. And as you're opening to it, I want you to see how Jesus speaks to this. Verse 31, John chapter 8. And today is a little bit more over in different places in the Bible. So I want you to stay with me. And I promise you I won't preach any longer than I normally do. But I want you to kind of zero in on this concept of truth. Okay? Because we live in a day where people say truth is relative. I'm saying, to, I will say to you today, truth is absolute. It will absolutely guide you right where God intends for you to go. Look at John chapter 8, verse 31. So Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed him, if, and notice that word, if you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine. And you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. They answered him. Here, watch what happens here. They answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and have never yet been enslaved to anyone how is it that you say, you will become free? Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is the slave of sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son does remain forever. So if the son makes you free, you will be free indeed. When you read this, you immediately realize that there's a question that's posed to our mind. How do you find, how do you truly find freedom? In other words, when you look at how you live out your life, what does it take to truly find the kind of freedom Jesus talks about here? And as you read this text, you realize something. It is here that the adulterous woman has been brought forward by the Pharisees. It's here that the Pharisees have tried to grab hold and trick Jesus into responding. And it's here that he says, he is without sin, let him cast the first stone. In fact, look in John chapter 8 and notice how, how they begin to to make accusation against him. Look, if you would, at verse 3, chapter 8. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery, and having set her in the center of the court, they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in adultery in the very act. Now, in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. What then 
do you say? And they were saying this to test him so they might have grounds for accusing him. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground. When they persisted in asking him, he straightened up and said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him be the first to throw a stone. Now, when you read that, don't you first, in your first thought, what do you wonder he's putting in what he's writing on the ground? I wonder if he writes grace, hope, love. Who knows what he writes? But they, they obviously are making great accusation against him. Look on, though. Look on down at verse 12. Then Jesus again spoke to them. So what they're doing, they're, they're continually attacking him. And Jesus again spoke to him, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to him, you are testifying about yourself. Your testimony is not true. Jesus answered and said to them, even if I testify about myself, my testimony is true. For I know where I came from and where I'm going. But you don't know where I come from or where I'm going. You judge according to the flesh. I am not judging anyone. Now, when you read that, you realize that what they're doing is they're trying their very best to get him to veer off course. And it'd be impossible for Jesus to veer off course. Look on over verse 19. So they're saying to him, where is your father? And Jesus answered, you know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. Verse 22. So the the Jews were saying, surely he will not kill himself, will he? Since he says, where I'm going, you cannot come. And he was saying to them, you are from below, and I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. Therefore I said to you that you will die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. And then you notice, if you would, verse 30. And he spoke these things, and many came to believe in him. And what I want you to see today as you look at this passage is you, when you read this story, here's the question you ask. Have you ever heard the truth and it changed you. In other words, you heard something, you said, you know what, that speaks to me. That speaks to who I am. That speaks to what I'm about. And what you discover here very quickly, as you look at this passage, is is this is a place where Jesus begins to dissect what it means to experience him the way he intended that gives you eternal consequence. And here's what I want you to see about faith, about truth. And because it really, it centers in on three levels, three levels that, that we are all exposed to. We hear the truth, we know the truth, but in order to have transforming faith, we have to live the truth. And for those who are in, being addressed in John chapter 8, verse 31 and following, they heard the truth, they knew the truth because Jesus said it precisely, but they refuse to live the truth. And what I want you to see today is this. If you want to be positioned with freedom and experience life the way that God intended, then you've got to be willing to position yourself in the right place to experience his best for your life. So what I want us to do is I want us to take just a quick glance at Scripture as it relates to truth, all right? So turn back, and what you're going to do, I'm going to take you to the left, and I'm going to move you towards the right, okay? So I want you to stay with me, because a few weeks ago when I did this, somebody told me everybody didn't keep up. And so I want you to keep up with me, and I'll try my best to do it slow enough that you don't lose me. Look, if you would, at Psalm 26, all right? So hang a left, get almost to the middle of your Bible, and you'll find the 26th Psalm. 
And we're going to move from that, that verse on through. And I'm only, I'm, by the way, I'm only just picking out seven or eight verses I want us to look at real quickly just to kind of see. I want you to look for one word as we walk through it. Truth. All right? Because here's what I want you to see. If I have truth, I have the experience and the opportunity to experience freedom. If I have truth. Look, if you would, chapter, Psalms 26, verse 3. In fact, look at verse 2 as well. Examine me, O Lord, and try me. Test my mind and my heart. For your loving kindness is before my eyes. And watch what he said. David says this. And I have walked in your truth. All right? So if you're uh, underlining words in your Bible, you may want to underline that particular verse. Now, Psalm 119. Just hang a right. Psalm 119 in verse 160. There's just a few of these I want to see and not miss. Because, listen, when you come into the Lord's house, there is nothing more important than His Word. Because His Word speaks to who we are. His Word speaks to how we live. His Word speaks to what we need to do with our life. Look at verse 160 of Psalm 119. The sum of your word is truth, and every one of your righteous ordinances is everlasting. In other words, when you do the math, and let me do it in your language so you don't miss this. When you do the math, it always adds up to God being everything you need. That's what that verse says. The sum of everything you say is what I need. Let me just say this to you. It is what we all need in order to have freedom to be positioned, to experience what God intends. Now, let's look at the New Testament. Turn to John chapter 4. And you're almost back to close to where we're going to be looking at today. John chapter 4. Look at it with me, if you would. Beginning in verse, uh, verse 23. John 4, verse 23. Listen to what Jesus said. But an hour is coming, and now is... When the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people the Father seeks to be his worshipers. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Now, let me tell you what you see here. Watch this. At level one, you hear the word. At level two, you know the word. And here's what Jesus says. You can hear it, and you can get emotionally charged by it, but if it doesn't transform you, that's not what God is looking for. He's looking for someone who worships in spirit and in truth. And what happens is when someone overcompensates emotionally, what happened? The truth dissipates, and what they feel elevates, and they miss the best of what God intended. And listen carefully. I have known more people who could get emotionally energized by something but not spiritually motivated by something, that if something rang their bell, they would jump on that bandwagon and run with it. But then when the truth settled in, they couldn't keep carrying the ball because they wanted to keep it at an emotional high. They wanted to keep it popping right here. And that's why we as his people will live out what, what Jesus says here. That it's very, that these such people, verse 23, for such people the Father seeks to be his worshipers. Don't you love that? Don't you love the fact that what he wants us to do is experience his truth? Look on over now, if you would, to Galatians chapter 2. Keep hanging a right. Now you're getting to the epistles. You're going you're to find something very interesting here. Galatians chapter 2. Watch what happens. By the time Paul is doing his ministry in Galatia, some people are sneaking in. They're sneaking in. And they're, they're beginning to convey concepts that are foreign to truth. And I can be honest with you, if I catch somebody sneaking into our church trying to say something not true, you have any idea what I'll do? 
I can tell you this. I'll jerk their chain so quick that they'll choke. Because the reality is we are going to be people of truth who live out truth. Look at Galatians chapter 2 and notice how Paul writes about it. But it was because of the false brethren secretly brought in who had sneaked in to spy out our liberty, our freedom, which we have in Christ Jesus, in order to bring us into bondage. But we did not yield in subjection to them for even an hour so that the truth of the gospel would remain with you. And listen carefully. If somebody sneaks around you trying to tell you something is not validated in truth, don't spend your time listening to it. Recognize that it's not coming from God. Recognize that it's not centered in who he is. And recognize that if you're going to have the effective free life God intends, then you need to be positioned to recognize what truth is. And what you see here is Paul says some of, they, some of these folks, they just snuck in. They sneak in here and they're trying to do what? It's interesting what he says here because you'll notice he says in the very last part of verse 4, to bring us into bondage. And listen carefully. There is nothing that binds us up quicker than to believing for us to believe something that is not true. For us to find ourselves believing that, that there are a hundred ways to heaven and there are twelve ways to pray and all these different things. And the truth is, listen carefully. Read what Jesus says. When you pray, go in secret. And the Father who hears and sees in secret will hear your prayer. When it comes to worship, read what Jesus said. The kind of worshipers God's looking for are people who allow the Lord to speak into their heart and to let them experience the truth of the gospel. Look on over. Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. And look, if you would, beginning in verse 14, if you would. Ephesians 4, verse 14. As a result, we are no longer to be children, tossed here and there by ways and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ. Now, when you read this, you realize something. What, what does Paul say to the church at Ephesus? You need to make sure that you, you are who God called you to be, a man or woman strong in the truth, centered in the truth, committed to the truth, not tossed about like a child. Look at one other verse, if you would. 1 John chapter 2, just for a moment. 1 John chapter 2, hang one more right, and then we're going to go back to John chapter 8. So 1 John chapter 2. How many have been with me so far all the way? How many of you have no idea where I'm at in the Bible, but you're just glad to be here? Let me see your hand. All right, yeah, that's good. Hey, that's all right. You know, the truth of the matter is, hey, if you're not with me, by the time I finish, you will be with me, because I'm going to read one verse that will scare you to straighten up. All right? So be paying attention. That's the last verse, so I'm going to give you the whole sermon before you get to hear that. Now, look on. Look, if you would, 1 John chapter 2, beginning in verse 3. By this we know that we have come to know him, if we keep his commandments. The one who says, I have come to know him, and does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him the love of God has truly been perfected or completed. By this we know that we are in him. The one who says he abides in him ought himself to walk in the same manner as he or as Jesus walked. Now, what, is, what, what you see here in 1 John is very challenging in it because here's what he said. 
You can say anything you want to, but if you don't say the truth, you're living a lie. And what we discover here is in John chapter 8, here's, here are a few verses that confront people who have religion down pat. They know everything about what's supposed to transpire religiously, but they don't understand what real faith can do. And so what I want us to do is I want us to look at this, and here's what I want to challenge you to do. I want to challenge you to take your position. I want you to think about where you are in life and ask yourself the question, do you have your golf cart ready to pick somebody up who needs help? Are you willing to carry a bag for someone who's looking for a little more help? Are you willing to help someone find their way? You see, what this passage is going to show you is that we need to take up a position and we need to make sure that we take ourselves in such a way that our position is right where God intends for us to be. And so I hope today, as I look at this passage with you, just for a few moments, that I will get you on a wavelength where you'll be able to ask yourself the question, am I positioned where I'm supposed to be? Because for some of you, the position you need to be in is committed, faithfully connected, willingly serving in the fellowship of this church, and I'm going to call you to do that. If God's speaking to your heart about it, in a few moments, I'm going to challenge you. Say, you know what? That's what I want to do. That's who I want to be. That's where I want to go. Because listen carefully, you get outside of the church, and you get outside very quickly of truth because Jesus died for the church. And the church is a key to opening the heart of every person who's willing to stop and yield because it's a place where truth is revealed. It's a, pl- a place where truth is exposed and error is identified. And so today we find ourselves in this. In, there are only two concepts I want you to see out of this passage because this is a moment in which Jesus confronts religion. And what I want you to see is no matter what religious background you have, religion can't take you where Jesus wants you to go. And so you got to see that because Jesus takes their religion and dismantles them by the time he finishes. So the first thing I want you to see is very clearly what you would miss if you're not careful. And that is, here they are touching the truth, but they're not trusting Jesus. It's here that these religious people are, are, they, they are touching it, but they're not trusting. In other words, they've been exposed to enough of it. They say, well, you know, that really sounds good. I've heard it. I believe it. I I believe what it is he said. But am I going to live it? Am I going to live out the truth? And today, I want you to think about what it would be like if you just lived the truth of what we just read. From the Psalms all the way to 1 John, I'll tell you what you discover. This book would speak to you in ways you never dreamed because all of a sudden his word would begin to open up your heart to what it is he wants to show you. So here, what does Jesus do? In verses 31 and 32, what he does, he does two distinctive things. The first thing is he confronts the bondage of religion because he knows, watch this, he knows that they're caught up in something that can't get them where he wants them to go. And i tell you what I discovered. The Lord is good at confronting, isn't he? You ever had the Lord say something to you and you realize he's speaking to you? He's speaking straight to you? I tell you what you discover. When he does, something begins to happen inside of you. Happened to me last June. Out in the foyer area, you'll see a big billboard showing our theme for our missions for this coming year. Changing the world one heart at a time. It was a Sunday night. It was a hot Sunday night after preaching all day. I was standing in the foyer with eight orphan children. And a senator from the parliament of Romania had been baptized. And a very big political dinner was going on 
connected to the church in response to his decision to follow Christ. And I looked at my friend who was the head of the entire event, and I said, I, I, said, I, I want to come on this, I want to come to this event, but I, I want to bring all these children with me. This friend who'd always been supportive of everything I have done in that country said, I don't think we have room. At that moment, at that moment, the Lord said to me, if you go to that dinner, you will miss every opportunity I have planned for you. And so I looked at those children and I said, tonight, I'm not with them. I'm with you. I'm with you. And I walked out to a pizza place. Waited about two hours, by the way, for a pizza, but that's okay. Because I'm very patient. The reality is, the reality is, it was in that moment that I understood that religion said you got to always look a certain way, you got to always do it a certain way. But let me tell you what faith says. Faith says you look at somebody who's never had hope and you give them hope. You look at somebody who's hurt deeper than you can imagine and you make sure they understand they are loved. You look at somebody that has been defined by abuse, and you give them affirmation that beyond their abuse, God can help them. You look at somebody and you realize that everybody needs to be healed from the heartaches of their past. And how do you do that? Sometimes you just give them a little bit of love. You just give them something they need the most. And when I think about how transforming it can be whenever we make a choice to be able to go the extra mile, I think about my wife in London this summer taking care of a little baby that you met the parents of a few weeks ago, dedicating hour upon hour upon hour to minister to that young couple. That's how you give somebody hope when they feel like they're despairing. And what I want you to see is this. Jesus sees these religious people, and you know, and they have so many great questions. They bring the girl with adultery and said, guess what? She, we found her in the bed. We caught her in the act. What are you going to do? Can't you at least line up with Moses on this? And Jesus makes such a confounding statement to them regarding their religion. Whoever has no sin, let him cast the first stone. And what you discover very quickly is this. He confronted that, but then he moves into something in this passage. I want you to see it because with it, he challenges their understanding of faith. And that's what I want today to do with you. I want to challenge your understanding of how faith works, how true faith works. Look at it. In verse 31, if, if and, and if is the key word, if you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Now, I want you to look at this because here's what Jesus does. He dissects their religion with truth. And I'm going to tell you what you discover very quickly. You show me anybody who comes my way with religion and I promise you, I can dissect it in the truth. Because religion only gets you to as far as you can go. Jesus takes you all the way home. Who would want to ride on a vehicle that can only get them to as far as they emotionally need or spiritually need when you can go all the way home? And today, I want to challenge you to think about what it would be like to be all the way home. What would it be like to experience what it means to really know him? And here's what Jesus does. There are four things that he does. You'll notice what he says, first of all. If you continue in my word. Continuing in my word has to do with the consistency of allowing the truth to be exposed 
to where it can get you where God intends for you to go. Because if you don't allow the truth to be exposed to your life, you can't get anywhere. That's why, listen carefully, that's why there are more Bibles closed in homes across this country. You want to know why families are falling apart? You want to know why marriages are in trouble? You want to know why people can't find their way? You want to know why the values have disappeared in our nation? I'll tell you why. This book was put down by those who knew to read it. And what happens when you quit reading this, you lose sight of what it is you're supposed to do with your life. And that's exactly what's happening in our culture. It's happening in our world. And we as his people need to continue in his word. Amen? Because when we continue, we become consistent. You want to be a good husband? Read the Bible. You want to be a good wife? Read the Bible. You want to be a good disciple? Read the Bible. That's what Jesus was saying. You've got to continue in the Word. But then he goes on to say something else. Because not only say you continue in the Word, but then you are truly disciples of mine. So what he says here is you don't just stay in the Word, but you maintain a commitment to learning. In other words, you don't read the Bible because you're supposed to. You read the Bible because you want to. I've known people who could every year say, I've read the whole Bible. I've read it all the way through. And listen carefully. I'm not concerned whether you read it all the way through or not. I am concerned that you actually read it where you understand it, believe it, and live it. That's what makes faith real. And what happens oftentimes is people get all tied up. thinking, man, if I don't read those three chapters and I don't get this in, I'm going to be behind. Listen carefully. Maybe God wants you to get stuck somewhere. Maybe he wants you to get stuck in a spot where he begins to speak to you and where he grabs hold of you. Listen carefully. It's time for us as people to see the power of what God's word can do, to commit ourselves to learn, to be willing to yield, to be willing to take hold of what it is this book says and let it become our lives. Let it become the truth of what sets us free because that's what Jesus is saying. You want to be free? Read the word. Commit yourself to learn. But he doesn't stop there, does he? Because he wants to make sure they don't miss what it is that God intends. He carries it on to that next level. Look, if you would, that next verse. And you will know the truth. You will know it. And here's what he's saying. When you read it, you understand how to obey. And when you start obeying, the obedience to the truth becomes a way of life for you. You'll know at every fork in the road which way to go. At every fork, you'll know which step to take. You won't find yourself confounded and confused by what you read or what you hear in the media or somewhere else. Instead, you will find yourself going, you know what? I know what obedience says. Obedience to his word says this, and you become a disciple. When you look at the word disciple there, it's interesting because the word disciple has to, be, has to do with being a learner. In other words, being able to say, you know what? I'm going to learn whatever it is I'm supposed to learn, and I'm going to learn it well. And what I want you to see today is this. We need people who so burn in their heart to be a learner that when people see you, they would say, he or she, they're a disciple. They walk the truth. They live the truth. They believe the truth. They yield to the truth. Nothing but the truth sets them free. And I'll tell you what you discover. When we get to that place where we are so committed to obedience that we are like Job and others who look at the obstacles in front of them and they say, no obstacles set before me will keep me from being who God intends for me to be. And I'm going to tell you, life is short, life is quick. And if you're a young adult sitting in this room, I hope you're listening very carefully because you are going to be bombarded with a culture that pushes disobedience as a way of life. And you will have to raise your children 
in a time, in a stage, in a day where if they don't have this book, God help them. And how do they find this book? By a disciple. By a disciple. But he goes on to say one other thing. And you'll notice, he says, you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Here's what I want you to say. Jesus says it this way, that your encounter with freedom will change you forever. And listen carefully. It is high time some of us had an encounter with freedom. I have, uh, I have a new CD I'm listening to by Mandisa. And on that CD, there's, there's a couple songs on there that just grab me. And uh, as I listen to them, every time I hear them, I'm thinking. She, one of the songs called Dear John. And it, it has to do with, with not letting whatever it is that's bound you up keep you bound up. And uh, every time I hear it, I want to hug her. I don't even know her, but I want to hug her because that song speaks to how we get bound up. Listen carefully. You want to experience life the way God intends? You let the right music go in your ears. You, like the right, you let the right truth go in your mind. You let your right spirit be set inside of you. You look at yourself and say, you know what? I want to be a man or woman who makes a difference. That's who I want to be. And I'm going to tell you, we have too many people who soft pedal the gospel, who go at life in a halfway fashion. And I'm going to tell you, for me personally, I am going out flaming towards what God intends to do in my life. From the day I finish up my journey until I see him face to face, I don't want him to say to me, you could have, you would have, you should have, but you didn't. And I'm going to tell you right now, for some of you, this is your hour of awakening. And you're hating what I'm saying. Because you have found yourself in a very comfortable place. Your religion gets you right where you want to be. But it is not taking you where Jesus wants you to be. Because Jesus said it here. And it's high time we as his people are willing to look at this. And look at scripture and say, you know what? We don't want to be that way. So what does Jesus do? First of all, he makes sure that you just can't touch the truth. you got you got to experience it. But then he comes back and look at and he begins to challenge them to what it means to really experience true freedom through real faith. And I want to take just a, take a glance at what he does with them here because look if you would at verse 33. They answered him, "We are Abraham's descendants and have never yet been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free?" And Jesus answered, "Truly, truly I say to you, everyone who commits sin is the slave of sin." The slave does not remain in the house forever. When you read this, you immediately realize something. That here Jesus is making sure that he increases the intensity of life transformation. All of a sudden, he elevates expectation to say to them, I know who you're related to. I, in fact, I'm sure Jesus wanted to say to him, I've been knowing Abraham a lot longer than you. I mean, that's what he could have said, isn't it? He could have said, oh, you think you know Abraham? I know him a lot better. And what happens sometimes is we discover Jesus. He, what he does here is all of a sudden, he just makes it clear, you're a slave to sin. And you know what's really scary? Is we become so accustomed to sin that we allow it to hang out with us and don't even notice it. We don't even notice it. And so today as you think about where you are in your journey, think about how important it is that we look at the intensity 
of what it is God wants to do. And we yield ourselves to transformation and what God only can do. But then look on, verse 35. Notice what he says. The slave does not remain in a house forever. The son does not remain forever. So if the son makes you free, you will be free indeed. And he said, I know that you're Abraham's sinner, yet you seek to kill me. Because my word, watch this, my word has no place in you. And here's what you ought to underline there. If his word has no place in you, then the only thing you have is religion. Because you don't need him. You only have religion. And what Jesus says here is that if you want to experience who he is, permanence always, permanence always conquers everything temporary. And what Jesus was trying to say is, why would you want something momentarily when you could have something permanently? And so today, as we think about that, we find ourselves thinking about John 17. In fact, turn over, if you would, to John 17, just for a second. Hang it right, since we're looking at a lot of verses. John 17 and verse 17. Notice what Jesus says, beginning in verse 13, I should say. John 17, beginning in verse 13. If you're with me, say amen. amen. But now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, so that they may have my joy made full in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. And notice this verse. I don't want you to miss it. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. When you read that, you realize that here is a place where all of a sudden Jesus speaks to, what does it mean to sanctify something? It means to cleanse. And you want to be clean? you got to be willing to experience what Jesus intended. We end with this verse. If you have your Bible, look if you would at 1 John chapter 2. Hang a right. If you get to Revelation, you've gone too far. But hang a right, and as you turn there, I want us to look at this verse because this verse says something to us related to how John saw things transpiring. 1 John chapter 2, and we're going to be looking at just one, one verse, I believe, and it's verse 19. And notice how he says this. They went out from us, but they were not really of us. For if they had been of us, they would have remained with us. But they went out so that it would be shown that they, are, they all are not of us. Let's read that one more time. I want you not to miss what's recorded here. They went out from us, but they were not really of us. For if they had been of us, they would have remained with us. But they went out so that it would be shown that they all are not of us. When you read this, you look at the next verse and you realize how, how he contrasted. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you all know. In other words, sanctifying the truth, the Spirit of God rests on your life, you have an answer. And so today, as we come to the very end of this message, I ask you a simple question. Are you truly free? And it may be you're here, and here's what you realize. This is the day you need to commit yourself to His purpose. Commit yourself to what it is he had. It is my call on you to say, if, you, if God, you've been visiting our fellowship and God spoke to you about joining our church, do it today. Position yourself for his purpose and the freedom that God can give you. You've been coming for a while. Maybe it's time to say this is home. And maybe it's an hour in which you may be saying, you know what, that's exactly what I need, and I am going to yield to it. And you, know, you may be asking, why do you do this in a public way? Why do you cause us to step forward? I only do it because Jesus says it this way. If you confess me before men, I will confess you before the Father. It is an hour to step up 
to stand up, step up, and be counted. And if God's speaking to you, I'm going to be waiting on you. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for the power of your word speaks to our lives. I pray in a special way for the man or woman, the couple, the young or the old that are sitting here and realize something. It's time to say yes to what you have for them. Lord, I pray that you would cause those who are here, who want to be all that you want them to be, I pray that you would speak to their lives. We ask you in Jesus to do what only you can do. I'm asking you, Lord, to touch the hearts of some men and women who have been listening today and, and they realize they need to move forward. They don't need to just sit. They need to step up. I pray, Lord, you speak to them. And I pray you'd bless this time when we respond to you because it is all for your glory that we take your word and live it out. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.